Okay. Who am Yawn done. I'm ready to podcast now. <laughs> that would be a great opening shot. <laughs> hey, I have a new title for our podcast. Do you? So do I. Let's hear yours first. It's called I Am Ready to Podcast Now. Oh, that's that's real. It's really unique. Hey, thank you. Really dynamic podcast title. Yeah, I thought so. Mine is My Son Has a Trombone. Oh. <laughs> My condolences. <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about music today. I thought I would bring that up. The reason I thought about mm. it is because he was practicing his trombone before I came over because his mother has a music minor, Emma, ah. and she doesn't get to use it very often. And so she's very excited that her son is in band and is helping him practice his trombone. Did you know that Don also has... Music I do minor? know, which is partially yeah. also why I thought this might be interesting to talk about. Yeah. Guys with wives with music minors. That's a really pithy title for a podcast. Really, yeah. That just um, rolls off the top. I kind of secretly believe that one of the reasons we have six kids is that she just keeps trying until she gets one that wants to play piano. Number five, <laughs> yeah. who's now nine years old, he loves piano. He's okay. the first one. Nice. I have a very musical child. Number two mm-hmm. is very good at anything he picks up. He learned cello. He plays guitar. He totally looks like a guy who plays guitar. Yeah, he yeah. he does. Mm-hmm. We just took him down to college mm-hmm. like two days ago, and he showed up at his dorm mm-hmm. and was you know nervous. Was he going to fit in? And walked in in the living room. There was like an entire pile of guitars in the corner, and he only had two to add to it. So yeah. It's a guitar-centric dorm room. That's great. Yeah. But number three plays French horn. Okay. So we have a lot of French horn going on. Number four plays clarinet. Okay. None of them well. Let's be clear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my condolences. Yeah. The horn, like the woodwinds and the horns, they're not as kind of irritating as someone who is trying to learn a string instrument. Yeah, I was going to say that strings have the biggest disparity between prettiness when skilled versus gratingness when unskilled. A trombone, it does get a little better to listen to when they're practicing, but that that wavelength, so to speak, is much smaller. When there's a trombone, it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, you played the right note, or no, you played the wrong note very loudly. Yes. And with violin, it's, oh, you played the right note, and oh my goodness, why are you murdering a cat? Yes. I've never had much of that experience, because I played trumpet, and my brother played guitar, so... Guitar. I did not know he played guitar. Yes, Jordo <laughs> plays guitar. Was he in a band? No, he oh. played acoustic guitar. He was like not cool enough for electric guitar and band stuff. But That's okay. Acoustic I, is still good. He gave it up pretty close into middle school or high school, so okay. it would be pretty soon after. But I played trumpet all the way through college. Yeah. First wow. year, first year in there college. There you go. I was in the Cougar marching band and realized I... Cannot do this anymore. Because for me, so trumpet was great. It gave me a musical foundation. I think that that's just a skill that is really handy in life. Knowing how to read music, knowing how to carry a tune, knowing all of that is really great. But mostly it was a social group in high school where... You know, I just by luck of the draw or whatever did not end up with 
any really close friends in high school. Mm-hmm. I had one through middle school and early high school, and then he moved to a new school, and we didn't see each other as often. But I didn't have a really tight-knit, close group of friends. So it was actually very fortunate for me that I had a built-in, these are your companions. People you get yes. to hang out with. Now, were you in a school where the band kids were the losers? Um, were they cool or did nobody care? It was in between. It was. It's a little more nobody cared. So my school was interesting in that it was kind of for Lincoln, Nebraska. This is all graded on a curve, right? Yeah. Was kind of preppy and kind of the rich kids-ish, which meant that like our debate team was really good and our golf team just dominated and our tennis team was excellent and our football team was real mediocre. Okay. And the coolest kids in the school were probably the tennis team members, mm-hmm. not the kids who played football just in the years I was there. And so that partially changed the dynamic of a lot of these things. And band, my school was not terribly cliquish. I ascribe this Neither partially to, I'm not sure what it is, but I, I ascribe it partially to the fact that I went to a 7th through 12th high school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the bullying aspects didn't happen as much when you have seventh graders and 12th graders. If the eighth graders bully the seventh graders, some senior's going to walk by who's this hulking monster and be like, hey, stop that. Right. Yeah. And I had that experience a couple of times where it's like the seniors just aren't going to put up with their baby brothers getting bullied mm-hmm. or ones that remind them of yeah. such. And I don't know. It just, the clicks were kind of there, but they were not the force that. They pretend in teen movies and things yeah. like that. Well, and I feel like we've talked about this yeah. before, but that's one of the things I hate about teen movies yeah. is that was not my experience in high school. I mean, I did feel a little lonely at times because I didn't have close friends. That was more of a religious divide, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like I would go home when the when the wine coolers came out and things like that, right? Yeah. But also I just didn't have a lot of people I really clicked with. Yet my trumpet line, my trumpet section, they were all, you know, good friends. Cool. For going on trumpet things, right? Like I didn't hang out with them outside of school because outside of school, I wanted to do role-playing games and play video games. And they were not <laughs> into that sort of thing. But my high school experience was not as bad as a lot of people's, I think, even though I went through some of that same, you know, yeah, where do I belong? All of that stuff. I mean, that's just normal yeah, teenager that's just stuff. that's what adolescence is about. Did you have... A D&D group as well? I did, but it was my brother's D&D group. Okay. And so the- So you were the older brother. I was the older brother who always felt like the proverbial, I mean, fifth wheel's probably the wrong term because they were all dudes, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? Like they yeah. had, they were two years younger than me. They were really all good friends. They were tight knit. Mm-hmm. They were part of a, a church group together. And then they would role play and I would DM for them, which was a good place for me to be yeah. as the older brother joining in. But it was more like Jordo- let me in to his group rather than I Then you had your own friends. And I could totally understand that kind Mm -hmm. of divide. That's awesome. I do consider them my friends also, right? Mm -hmm. But certainly, I I did not have really close friends until college. And in college, I met a group of friends and very much clicked with them. And, you know, I think that it is not that this is on topic to the extent that we have a topic that we're talking about. Off on tangents. (laughs) Yeah. But- I have always been really kind of impressed and grateful for the friend group we had in college. Like how many people still hang out with their group of college friends 20 years later and not in a sad way? Right. (laughs) 
what would be a sad way, Mr. Wells? Like, you know, the kind of people who just never moved on and right. never went on to anything bigger and better. We've all gone on to things that are bigger and better, but we've all stayed very close to our college friends. We have. Part of that, I think, is the writing, right? Like, mm-hmm. we made one of the things that happened in college is I made a bunch of friends centered around my interests. And and we're in a profession where we can stay close to each other while all working in the thing. Like if we all went into business, yeah. we'd be living wherever the big company that hired us told right. us to go. And here we can we can work in our pajamas and email editors from anywhere. So how does this do it explain nearby. Ben? Ben, our mutual <laughs> friend who was listening to the podcast. What did you say? He was listening to it yesterday. He was listening to it. He texted me yesterday or the day before. Just furious about our lack of outros. Mm. So we promise for Ben, we're going to have a good outro this time. have a great outro. It's going to be so good. Ben is our friend who is not a writer. He's not. He um, has written some stuff. He was in our first writing group. Well, yes. But he wrote that stuff in the writing class he took. In the same way that I drew a picture when I took a drawing class, right? Just Mm -hmm. to do it. And have never since drawn a thing. Yeah. And he would not be offended by us not describing him as a writer. Yeah, he's He's, a programmer. He's a programmer. He's just a programmer who lives locally and... And happens to have friends who are all writers. Who are all nerds and writers. Yeah. He ends up in a lot of my books, if you guys have read them, as the various rogues gallery for Waxilium, the character in my current Mistborn series. All of the rogues gallery are all pseudonyms of Ben. I think we may have mentioned this before. <laughs> Most of them are ones you came up with and have given him. That's so great. So. That was my primary hobby in college, was yes. giving him nicknames. But that's neither here nor there. Music. Music. You, know, you mentioned high school. We had, school. I don't know how common this is, we had someone in the band who was also on the football team. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, uh-huh. that he would like play and then he'd get out and do the halftime show yeah. and then he'd go back and, and play again. It was pretty awesome. That is crazy. I, I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Did you play an instrument? I play piano. Okay. I feel about it kind of the same way. I'm really glad that I did it. At the time, I fought ruthlessly with my mother about it because I did not want to play piano. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I'm, of course, 110% happy that I know how to read music. And I can still kind of plunk out. I can pick out a song. I'm not good, but I'm glad I could do it. Right. I am more of a singer than anything else. That was my instrument. I was in two choirs in high school and some choirs in college. And I've told you that being in, musical a, theater. in a choir is my personal hell, right? <laughs> Have we talked about this? No, Producer we haven't. Adam? So if you want to find a personal hell for Brandon, okay, you need to put him in a situation where he has to do a repetitive task that requires enough of his mind that he can't think about anything else. Okay. But not so much as to be fully engaging. Right? So if you mm-hmm. take me and you're like, you are going to dig ditches for a living. I'm probably physically wouldn't enjoy that that much, but you know what? I can work on books while in my head ditches. while I'm digging ditches. Like I have done service projects where, mm-hmm. you know, I have to go pick up trash and stuff. I actually kind of enjoy that. Walking yeah. around doing things like that, like not a big problem. You can give me something that's very engaging, such as you need to do this, you know, whatever. You need to do this programming or help your son with his homework or something like that. And I will get very engaged by the project and it will use the total of my mental faculties. But singing uses just enough to keep me from being able to focus on anything else because I have to follow Mm -hmm. along and read. Yeah. But is so repetitive 
even in church, you're seeing the same verse four times. By the end of verse two, I'm like, just shoot me, right? <laughs> I'm exaggerating that one, but the times I've gone to choir, I, I really felt like I would rather be anywhere else. Oh, that is because amazing. Because I can't write, but I also can't get fully invested. <laughs> See, now I think that on some level, that is more your personal reaction to it. I can get 100% invested in singing a song. Okay. I'm totally into it. Like it engages enough of the brain. Mm-hmm. I think you just don't enjoy it. Maybe. And I mean, so that's what, I mean. Playing trumpet was not as bad, but still yeah. I didn't love for that very mm-hmm. reason right there. But for some reason, music just, just, mm. I cannot. And part of it might be that I love listening to music, particularly live music. So like if I'm in a choir, I'm like, man, I could be sitting there listening to these people sing. And if they sang over and over the same thing, I wouldn't care. Right. But you have to do it. But having to do it is pure misery. So what you're saying is that you're not going to join the all authors barbershop quartet that I am now no longer going to put together. Thanks a lot. Mm. Yeah. um, Sorry about that. I don't know who else we would have in it. (laughs) Well. You know, Peter Alstrom is quite the singer. He is. If you're, if you're open to very editors, good. this is my editorial director, Peter. He is an amazing singer. So, you know, he can take my place. <laughs> As your proxy. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> He'll be your second when I challenge you to a musical duel. I took a choir class when I was in junior high. Okay. And it was hilarious because the teacher, is this your experience? They split us into basses and tenors for the boys. And we were all in seventh grade. And we were all prepubescent, yeah, yeah. right? And so um, even then, I'm like, something about this is sketchy. What do you mean, bass? <laughs> Have you heard me? Yeah. Now, see, every now and then you do get mm-hmm. that one kid, like my 13-year-old, one of his best friends, his voice dropped about a year ago. Okay. And he's deeper than I am mm. at 12. And it was, it was wild listening to him talk. But it's rare, definitely. I got into college and (laughs) thank you. It it was very difficult. BYU only has a 70% acceptance rate. Um, Is it that high? Yeah. In some years it's that high. It hovers between 60 and 70%. We all pretend it's really, really hard to get into. Yeah. Our parents do so that we have to, you know, we tell people everyone wants to get in. So you got to get really good. Great. That's what I tell my daughter. Yeah. But if, so if, you if you're look, listening, my daughter, yeah. what he's saying is a lie. It's super hard to get into BYU. <laughs> yeah, it's got like it's got like a two percent acceptance rate. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and I got into the band, which is a little bit harder. I was really excited when I got mm-hmm. in the band because band had been such an important social group for me through high school. And then I realized in college they are hardcore. That's you know basically mm-hmm. everything, but. In college, they are hardcore. You don't work on one show. For those who haven't ever done band, like in high school, you will work on a show. And every week, you'll like add just a little bit to it and practice Mm -hmm. it. So when you go to that football game, you're doing the same routine, the same marching routine that you had been doing. You just add until the end. You've got, you know, a show of four or five songs or whatever that Mm -hmm. you're doing. And that's the one you take to competitions and things. In college, they're like, 
No, we aren't here for competitions or we aren't here to keep you busy. We're here to entertain people during a football game and they do not want to see the same show twice. So here's 30 minutes. Memorize this song. Mm-hmm. And this week we are going to memorize an entire field show of, you know, five songs in very complex manner. We are going to work on it, you know, four hours a night, three nights a week or something like that. And in two weeks, we're going to have the show ready and perform it. Then we're going to throw all that out and do another show the next time. And by the way, you get one half credit for this and it doesn't count for PE. <laughs> that, and, you make it sound so enticing. Yeah. And so basically they're weeding, right? They're like, yeah. do you actually want to be in music? Do you actually love doing this because you no longer can do it for the reasons you did it before to take up a class slot without a lot of homework yeah. which is always nice having a band in high school for that to if you're just here because you need a friend group yeah bad idea that doesn't work anymore nope and i was grateful for them explaining that to me in not so many terms and i never i i stopped i'm yeah. like okay yeah i cannot be dedicating six hours a week plus games to doing this I have other interests, such as writing, that mm -hmm. need that time. Yeah, a lot of college is like that. Mm -hmm. And I actually started writing some of my books like that. Like, a lot of the serial killer books, the worst stuff is in the first chapter of right. this horror novel. Because if you're in this, I'm going to let you know right up front what it's like and, and what it's about. That's real smart. You're a smart guy, Dan. <laughs> mm. I actually did that in Stormlight, not quite as consciously, but for learning curve purposes. I'm like, this is going to have some really steep world building. So I'm going to show you in chapter one mm -hmm. that this is a lot of world building. And that's what this book is about. But I had yeah. never thought of it for something like kind of the dark, gruesome stuff to be like, look, read this chapter, see if this book is for you or not. Yeah, because, you know, chapter one is the promise that you're making. Yep. Right. And a lot of that is supposed to be enticing. Yes. You are here because you want the sense of mystery or the cool characterization or the world building or the magic or whatever. But I think also another part of it is this is got a lot of X, Y, or Z thing. Let's let you know right up front what it's all about. All right. On the music topic, do you want my perhaps controversial hot take of the night? Yes, I definitely do. I don't think we should make kids practice music as much as they do. Really? Particularly if they're in band at school. Okay. My argument is I look back and I'm like, this is the whole homework concept, right? Mm -hmm. What are we teaching that you can't go and spend eight hours on your job, which is what supposedly the kids are doing. Mm -hmm. You have to come home and do it for many more hours after the fact. I feel like that is a bad thing that our culture teaches. I think that it teaches us that if you are not working then the time is wasted. Yeah. And some people will enjoy that, right? Like if mm -hmm. you're really into the music and you want to come home and do it, I'm not going to say, no, no, you can't do that. I mean, I, I write, you know, often when I would have free time. Mm -hmm. But I look at being in high school and I went an hour early for band practice mm -hmm. and then band was my first period. And so around an hour and a half, if you can't like breaks and whatever, yeah. of practice for band every day. If I were to say to you, Dan, I need you to practice the piano for an hour and a half every day as an adult, you would probably be like, I think I can get 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, and that's going to be sufficient. But here's the difference. And for the most part, I am with you mm -hmm. because we do stretch our kids too thin and we do overschedule their time. Yes. But when it comes to art, 
I think it's important to learn early that if you're going to dedicate yourself to something, you need to be ready to dedicate yourself to it. Someone who plays piano professionally as an adult, mm -hmm. an hour and a half of practice is paltry compared to what they actually right. have to do. If they're going to be a pro. Yeah. If they're going to be a pro. But, I mean, should the kid have to be doing pro levels in high school of practice? Maybe not pro levels, but I do think it's important to say, if you want to get good at this, you have to do it all the time. And I don't think that's true of math. And maybe that's just because I'm an artist and not a mathematician. Right. Like we definitely, I agree with your assertion that homework gives children improper conceptions about how work-life balance should be. Yes. 100%. But art I see as a different thing. And maybe that's a blind spot. Maybe. Or maybe it is a fundamentally different kind of thing. Or I think you might have a point, right? Like I've talked before about the difference between myself in college and my roommate who was a chemical engineer where I had to do all of my writing externally mm -hmm. because I needed to be self-motivated. No one was going to call me and recruit me, right? And when yeah. he got through the chemical engineering program, he just got recruited and got a job. Mm -hmm. And they are very different. And I think there's a couple things going on here. Number one, writing programs are bad at teaching writing. I just really do think that they are in general. My apologies to all my friends who teach writing programs. Yes. And I kind of lump myself into this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a lecturer. I'm not a very good teacher because to teach writing, you need to be doing mostly exercises and you need the guided by the teacher reading and giving you pointers and things mm -hmm. like that, which granted some colleges do and some programs do. Yeah. But in general, I having gone through a master's in creative writing, I don't think it was very good at teaching writing. I think it was very good at teaching the theory of analyzing what other people have written. <laughs> and, well, and that's kind yeah. of, I worry that that's an artifact of just how we study English. Yeah. Because we study English from a very receptive rather than a creative perspective. Yeah. That we are, and I think that's because, and this, once again, I have to apologize to all the writing mm -hmm. teachers out there, all the English teachers. They are primarily academics rather than creators. Right. And let's mention, I haven't been in the program at BYU for 20 years. Yeah. And it has changed a lot since then. A lot of my professors were English professors who had picked up teaching creative writing as creative writing became a thing that schools were offering rather than people who had been trained in creative writing. Yeah. But if you came to me and said, Brandon, the just random person came to me and said, Brandon, I want to be a writer. I think I can give it an hour and a half to two hours a day. I would say that is enough. If you are an aspiring writer, you are going to be outdoing most people by spending two hours a day on it. And that's what I was doing in high school with band already. Why do we need to add more to that? You really think someone can be a professional writer writing for an hour and a half a day? I think definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that they can be. Now, like once novelists. they go pro, they will add more. But when they're an okay. aspiring writer. Okay, as an aspiring, as this an aspiring, is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. After hours. Yes. When the day job is done. Okay, I can totally see that. I mean, I did it basically on four hours. You saw what my output was and mm -hmm. things like that, right? Yeah. And I'm considered one of the most prolific out there. Mm -hmm. If you were doing two hours a day and getting 1,000 words a day, that's 200,000 words a year, even taking off weekends and things like that, right? And yeah. days off. That is plenty to be training yourself across five years or 10 years to be a professional novelist. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing in high school with music. 
I had two class periods dedicated to it. When I took jazz band, I had three class periods dedicated yeah. to it. And they still wanted me to go home and practice. And I was really bad at practicing because my time was full of lots of stuff as we piled too many things on kids. Yeah. And I felt so guilty for like seven years. It was like a cloud looming over my head where every time I went to band, I thought, I am not pulling my end of this yeah. agreement because I'm the one that's not practicing. When I don't think most of those kids were practicing. Probably not. And the fact that I was getting two to three hours a day in class, the 20 minutes at home wasn't yeah. doing anything. Yeah. So I have a question I want to ask mm -hmm. you on that topic. But first, because I know if I don't mention it, I'm going to hear about it from Kevin. Kevin J. Anderson oh, and yeah. Fran Wilde and some other like really big name, actual successful authors do teach a writing program in Colorado mm -hmm. at the university level. I think yes. it's Colorado State. I don't know. Consider this a plug for them. They're all wonderful and their program's actually really cool. Like Kevin's right. editing program is amazing. Yeah, like I don't know how his writing program is. Being able to take classes from people who are working yeah. professionally as a writer mm -hmm. is the thing that is missing from a lot from of writing. The majority programs. of the writing yeah. programs. That one's a good one. Okay, yeah. so back to my thing that I mm -hmm. wanted to ask you. With music specifically, yes. what you do in a classroom feels like it is fundamentally different than what you are supposed to be doing at home. Because what you do in the classroom is okay, everybody all together, we are going to Mm -hmm. play this song and we're focusing on blending with each other and following the director and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you do at home is making sure you can actually produce viable sounds when you blow through this trumpet. Okay. Which is, feels like it's different. Learn how to play the trumpet and then get together and learn how to play as a band. Having lived it, I disagree. You, you disagree? I think okay. they're the same. That's fine. Right? Like if you had a kid who was an uh, aspiring pianist and your kid wasn't playing in school and you had them doing three hours of practice a night, you'd probably feel like you were doing a lot mm -hmm. to have them practice. Oh, yeah. It's what I was doing okay. in band. Well, there you three go. Three hours playing my trumpet every day. Now, maybe this is, if I have to give a caveat to myself or whatever, mm -hmm. a devil's advocate, so to speak, it's that I feel like more and more, and maybe this is only because I have kids now, I am paying attention to it, but I feel like the amount of time stretch and weight and whatnot we put on tweens and teens in our society it just i think it's kind of horrible absolutely i agree with you the thing about that is though the people who really get involved with it the parents are all like oh it's the best thing for my kid i don't know if it's that whatever rule it is the sunk cost or whatnot that when you pay a lot for something you like it more it's mm -hmm. not sunk cost. It's but there not is, sunk cost. There but is a, something. a rule that, you know, if you buy a steak for $60 or you buy a steak for $20 and you eat it, statistically, people will report enjoying that $60 steak more, even if they're prepared and cooked in the same way. Because our perception of the amount of effort or money or something we put into something taints our perception of that thing. And I don't know if that's the case, but every time the parents are like, oh, it's just the best thing for our kid that they've been part of this really exclusive program that requires four hours a night of the kids' time and things like that. Yeah. And maybe, you know, but I, I I worry about it. I think that our entire society, we've actually talked about this a lot on the podcast, is fundamentally broken in the way that we approach work. <laughs> yes, it is. And 
I always think of the Frodo quote mm-hmm. towards the end of the trilogy when he's really just falling apart and he says, I feel like butter scraped across too much bread. It's Bilbo at the beginning. Is it Bilbo? Yes, okay. because he's been holding the ring too long. Yeah. It's my Thank favorite you. metaphor from fiction. Yeah. I can't usually quote things very well, but it's <laughs> Bilbo talking to Gandalf. I love that metaphor. It's such a beautiful way of saying you are stretched. You're doing too many things. And mm-hmm. when you've got a kid who is in an after-school sports program, and they're doing an instrument, mm-hmm. and they're doing student government, and they're in like academic decathlon, and they go to taekwondo. Yeah. Like it's too much. Mm-hmm. Just let kids be kids. And the reason, you know, not only just for kids is, is let adults be adults. Let yeah. people feel comfortable doing nothing. We do have a very broken idea in America that if we are not productive, we are not valuable. And I think that that's really poisonous. Am I a hypocrite for agreeing with you? <laughs> Being the person who can't sit and have a podcast but has to sign but has stacks to of things, things at, at the, the same, same time. time? No, because mm-hmm. I think that this is a big part, ironically, of an artist mentality. And maybe this is because artists don't get recruited into jobs like right. our roommates that did tech. We have always had to kind of fight and struggle and, you know, have as many irons in the fire as possible just to get by. But I don't know. And at the same time, and this has nothing to do with podcasting or with signing, but I do continue to see art as a very different thing, you know? And I think when you talk about, you know, parents saying, oh, this is the best thing for my kid to be involved in, Mm -hmm. they might be right. They're probably stretching their kid too thin, but that's not because music or art is a bad thing to involve them in i think and again this is coming from an author right i think if you graduate high school with a love of reading that's pretty much all high school needed to do for you you i would basic agree with arithmetic that. and a yeah. couple other things but if you love reading you can go on to college and pretty much any job and do well with it i would say that i would put one thing above that which is learning how to learn Learning to mm. teach yourself mm-hmm. something that you want to learn is... Well, I, I kind of think that's the same thing, but I see your point. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, man, I had something really cool I was going to say. It was really clever. <laughs> really really clever interesting. and brilliant. Oh, it's not that interesting or clever, but I do think it <laughs> contributes to the conversation. So okay. I think part of the problem is mm-hmm. there is this CEO mentality in America, maybe other cultures as well, which is the CEO is like... I'm going to put in all this effort and work to make this thing succeed. I expect my employees to do the same. How many times have you heard things like that? Like the argument is, well, the boss hasn't left, so I guess we should stay at work, right? Mm -hmm. Like that sort of mentality is a huge part of American work culture. And I think it is fundamentally broken because if the company succeeds, the boss reaps theoretically infinite rewards, right? Yes. As a writer, I reap theoretically infinite rewards. I mean, maybe... Not, but you know what I mean. Yes, yes, yes. The books, as many copies as the books sell, that is what my reward is for being a writer. Yeah. Whereas these people that keep walking behind you to take your pages away, they're not getting the same level of output for their investment of time. They are not. In fact, you know, if you're a waged employee, like you're just getting that. And so if you're, it's, it really comes to this problem where the boss is like, well, I'm not leaving. You all shouldn't leave. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not leaving because if this succeeds, 
you have gambled and you can win big. If all these other people who stick around, if you succeed, you still win big. And they might get something, but maybe. not. Even it might just be a maybe, right? Some stock yeah. options and things like that. And I think that's the big broken part is yeah. that we don't differentiate between I am passionately working on a thing because I sincerely believe in it and I will reap the rewards. And I have lent you my life for eight hours in exchange for money to continue, you know, existing. Yeah. And certainly, you know, I'm not saying that it's bad if employees are invested, right? Like mm -hmm. I try to treat my employees very well and the officers of my company get a bonus based on how well the company does for this very reason, because I know that I'm, you know, for particularly the officers, I'm not asking for, you know, eight hours of their time. I'm kind of asking for their life, right? Yeah. It's their occupation, not just a thing they are doing for eight hours or things like that. Yeah. But I do think that we as a culture need to be okay with the idea that, you know, someone works their 40 hours and goes home and that does not make them lazy mm -hmm. because they don't want to work more so that the people above them can earn more. It makes yeah. them smart. It makes them smart, especially if they're salaried yes. and all that extra time mm -hmm. is literally not giving them anything more yep. at all. Now, where I think I disagree a little bit with this is that I think we're talking about two separate things that are right. certainly connected. One is we are stretching people too far and we are demanding too much. And the other thing is all these art programs that we are forcing our children to enroll in, you know, whether it is art or sports or mm -hmm. bird watching or anything, I honestly believe that those extracurriculars are almost inarguably the most valuable part of their primary school experience and the part that they are going to remember the most right. and look back on the most fondly. So we are stretching people too far, but if we're going to cut out anything, maybe it shouldn't be the music, you know? So I'm not saying we should cut out the music. I'm just saying we should relax a little, right? Like going to music for an hour or two, like I did mm -hmm. in a day, should be enough. It shouldn't yeah. then be, we must be the best. I live in a school district where our band is the best mm -hmm. at the high school. And it is, you know, the amount of work it requires for them to be the best is quite a bit. Now, I don't have a kid in that band. I'm not, you know, part <laughs> yeah. of that. And so it's me looking from the outside. But, you know, relax a little. When the kids do sports, they don't do, I don't know if you noticed this, they don't do one team. They do three baseball teams, right? I've had friends, it's like my kids in this one and in this one and in this one, because we've got to be so hardcore. to get as much yeah. practice in as possible and as much competition and all yep. of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, that is true. Mm -hmm. We definitely take things too far, which is too bad. I'm not saying cut the music programs from school. Mm -hmm. I'm saying music programs for school maybe are enough and you don't have to stress you your kid out. You don't have to do all the extra stuff after the fact. And, you know... The outcome of getting rid of all the after-school stuff and all the homework and all of the extra things mm -hmm. is that then the kids have time to find the thing they love and dedicate themselves to something because they enjoy it and not because their parents or their teachers are pushing them into it. Right. I'm very anti-homework in this regard. Just the studies particularly for younger kids show mm -hmm. that it just doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Granted, there is a good argument of teaching someone to be responsible 
and accomplish a task that they need to accomplish and to get it done is an important aspect of life. And that is what homework is supposed to be teaching primarily, mm -hmm. which I do have to agree is valid, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I see the busy work that happens sometimes. And I also see, yeah, sometimes the kids do need to learn it. But homework is a replacement for our school system not having enough teachers to yeah. actually work individually with the students to make sure that they can learn. Well, and also I'm in the position now where I've had two of my kids move out mm -hmm. and get real jobs and go to college and start their own lives. And in both cases, like all of those things that, you know, attendance and homework and, you know, learn the responsibility stuff, they never learned it during school and they learn it almost instantly once they get kicked out of the nest. That's what I actually I was going to say, um, not almost instantly. It took like I talk about me. It was my freshman year. Like I was a really good student in high school. I didn't mm -hmm. do all of my trumpet practice, but I felt guilty about not doing all of my trumpet practice. <laughs> Which counts as being a good student. And I did practice some of the time. And I like later found out that no one else did any practice at all. So I was probably the most or the number two mm -hmm. most practiced in the trumpet line, all the while thinking I was the one that was not pulling his weight, right? Yeah. And I was a very responsible kid. I did not internalize it. I went to college and I had the same thing that almost like a lot of kids have if freshman year first semester was a disaster right mm -hmm. of me not getting homework assignments done not doing you know what i need to do my grades failing sleeping through classes having to figure out how to manage money and it took me a semester and then maybe you know really a year if you really look at it but mm -hmm. things like this like all this stuff that they did like you said did not actually teach me because I still <laughs> yeah, had that kind of disaster still of a had year. to learn how to run your own life. Mm -hmm. And you eventually did. Yes. And I suppose an argument could be made that, you know, all this stuff, all the work you had to do in high school, mm -hmm. put those folders in place so that possible. when you had stuff to put in them, they were already there. I don't know if that's it's true. It's totally possible. And that's the... The weakness in my argument is it's hard to say. I feel like I taught myself all that stuff in college when I decided I wanted to be a writer and had a reason to do it. And I don't know. It is a weird thing to look at, though, because of survivorship bias, right? Like, mm -hmm. I can look and say, well, anything that I tried, obviously, <laughs> was great because I turned out so well. Yeah. Right? All the stuff that I did worked. Yes. So everyone be like me. I would be surprised if I am not the single most successful person in my graduating class, right? Possibly. Yeah. Have you gone back to any uh, high school reunions? I have not. Oh, um, man. I missed them. Yeah. Yeah. I went to my 20 year, which was kind of fun. It would have been, what, 2015? So it was a mm -hmm. while ago. It was before the movie came out. So I didn't have quite as much to brag about. Right. But I was a New York Times bestseller at the yeah. time, you know, mm -hmm. and I had some cool things. And it was really fascinating to talk to all of the other people who had gone on to become you know, lawyers and doctors and all this stuff. I was in a, an accelerated academic program. So okay. virtually everyone I went to high school with is a doctor or a lawyer. Okay. Right? Almost across the board or a professor. Mm -hmm. But the ones that were really fascinating to me were the ones that went into business. Mm -hmm. And that is where I saw the biggest divide of them not kind of taking anybody else seriously. Like, mm. sure, you became a lawyer, whatever. I own seven taco bells in the bay area like that's impressive that's legitimately that impressive, impressive. But... but both of us laughed when we heard it right yeah <laughs> and the, 
And I don't know why that is. That yeah. business side feels so different from you know the pure academics and the art. And that's really interesting to me. That is, I wish I'd gone back. I just kind of missed it. As I said, I didn't have really close friends in high school mm -hmm. and I was living in another state, right? Yeah. I would have had to fly back to Nebraska, which is a little off the beaten path. And well, let's I, see, you're coming up on 30 years in just three, right? Yeah, 94. So, yeah, 94. Yeah. So 24 will be your 30 year. Do they do, like, I thought 25 was like, do they do 30 years? No, for my high school, it's been every 10. Every 10? Yeah. So maybe I'll go. I don't know. But if you didn't have any really strong friends, right. then I'm you'd just be remember, going back to flex on everyone, yeah, right? Yeah, very few people. It's, yeah. Yeah, whereas I still have really, you know, mm -hmm. close friends that I remember really well. So is it time for our awesome outro? Time for our super awesome outro. Our really great outro? Yeah, we have practiced this so extensively. The, the singers yes. and the dancers mm -hmm. actually had to leave early, which yeah. is unfortunate. And I noticed the decorations did not get put up. Uh, it's all right. I can, I can do it. Okay. I can do it. How was that, Ben? <laughs>